Hi, I'm Allison Hare, a former corporate executive turned lifestyle entrepreneur, and I am on a quest to help your lifestyle become fully alive, fully restored, and perhaps get off of that over-functioning hamster wheel. Welcome to the Late Learner Podcast, where we take tired, old paradigms that we're all living in every day, and we break them apart, and we find more effective ways that just work better for you. So what are we late learning today? Well, I need you to buckle up because you're going to think I'm full of shit. But what if I told you that there is a newer therapy that is so effective, it can remove your biggest triggers from trauma. And I use trauma in big T and little t in as little as one session. Yes, you heard me right. What would it be like if you could go to your family Thanksgiving dinner this year and your mother-in-law's snide comments had zero effect on you at all? They're gone. Or what if that big trauma that has really haunted you your whole life, what would life be like if your body seizing up and that pit in your stomach and the triggers that it left behind were just gone? Well, we're going to do that today. I got Laurel Weirs on the podcast today. She is one of the foremost educators and practitioners of this newer therapy called Accelerated Resolution Therapy, ART, Accelerated Resolution Therapy. Laurel is a therapist. She's a keynote speaker, a coach, an author, and consultant, and has successfully helped People like first responders, veterans, people who have suffered unimaginable loss, and can even help you handle someone who just freaking rubs you the wrong way and you can't escape it. And here is the crazy thing. This is why you're in for such a treat. I'm so glad you tuned in today. She actually did a real-time experiment using me during our conversation today. And y'all, Just so you know, I'm a control freak. It is hard to get me into a different state of mind, but she did it. And you're going to get so much out of this episode. And before we get into learning about what acceleration resolution therapy can do for you or someone you love, let's get into the good stuff. What is stuff? Stuff stands for a surprisingly true, useful fun fact. And today's fun fact really surprised me. In a German study of 2,900 founders, they found that people over 50 are more radical innovators than their younger counterparts. Younger founders do introduce a larger amount of innovations overall, but they are more process improvement oriented, whereas the late career entrepreneurs were far more likely to introduce market novelties and more innovative offerings, things that just break everything apart and start something completely new. I always love hearing about Julie Wainwright, the founder of Real Real Secondhand Luxury Brand. She launched the business, you know, the Real Real, where you can get all of those kind of pre-owned, pre-loved designer stuff. She launched that in her mid-50s. Ariana Huffington started the Huffington Post at 55. So my advice to you, make note of the comments you might say to yourself or out loud throughout the day about maybe something that you casually experience that you think this could have been done in a better way. Maybe this happens all the time. 
It could be the nudge that you are the solution to this problem. Open your possibilities to see what would happen if you went down that path. Now let's talk about accelerated response therapy with Laurel Weirs. Big welcome to Laurel Weirs. How are you, Laurel? Welcome, welcome. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to chat. I love how excited you are to chat about traumas and triggers. (laughs) (laughs) Usually it comes with some trepidation. So I'm really curious to see, because you have a background as a keynote speaker, you're a coach, you're an author, you're a therapist, a consultant, you've got a lot of different backgrounds and kind of pinning yourself on traumas and triggers. What did it look like for you growing up? On how did you deal with stuff like that growing up? So for me, obviously we all have trauma of some sort. And I can't say that I really ever was led to a place of healing through it until I actually became a therapist, right? As with most things, we're unaware of what's going on with us till it smacks us right in the face. So through my process of graduate school, I definitely worked through some things. But later in life, as I became more skilled to work with trauma, I then found methods that went even deeper with what I did in graduate school to completely remove the triggers that were associated with it. So that was what my journey looked like personally. Uh, Very different than my professional journey working with trauma, though. That was a completely different story. I used to not work with trauma. It actually scared me. And when people came in and they had triggers, I would refer them out. So it was interesting that eight years ago, I decided I can do this. And I got trained in a method that was life-changing for my clients. And it literally changed my practice as well. And we're going to learn about these life-changing methods today, aren't we? Yes. Well, here's what I would love to know, Laurel, is you get to speak to people all the time. What do you see in your practice or just in your view that we are struggling with? So one of the things is most people don't realize that a lot of the similar reactions that we have that we're not proud of are typically rooted and based in something in our past. And so we work really hard to cognitively, right, think it through and we cheer ourselves on and we say, we're going to react. our heads, to- yeah. Totally. We can react differently next time, right? We have that shame, then we go back in and then we do it over and over and over again. And what most people don't realize is when we have those reactions that we're reacting poorly to something, it's typically because there's something that we haven't addressed in our past that's kind of in a sense hanging out in our brain. And so we're having a fight or flight response. And that's why we can't think our way through it because we actually have to get rid of that event in the way our brain is hanging on to it. Why is there so much value in the thinking their way through it? Because when I think about me, I am always up in my head just trying to think of every different angle. How do I solve this problem? How did I get here? The shame aspect of it and then the solving the problem aspect of it and not knowing, like, where is the disconnect? Why are we always up in our heads? Mm -hmm. I think we're in our heads because, right, we're very, we're cognitive people. We're heady people, right? We want to know that we have some sense of power and control over situations. And so if I can think why I weigh through it and I can be independent, that gives us a sense that I've got this, I've got the skills, Mm, I've got the ability to work through it totally. But if you come in and you tell somebody, 
you can think about this all day long and it's not going to change the fact that your body's going to keep reacting to a trigger. That feels very out of our sense of control. And so it's a different idea. It's a different way to think about how we have to approach some of those things. So I think the definition of trauma has kind of, it's been so common out there that people are labeling everything as trauma, everything as triggers. How do we identify what that is in our own lives? So you're right. Trauma is everywhere. And it's so interesting. My conversations with my clients, it focuses around this a lot. I'll have a client come in to me and they'll talk to me about these reactions that they keep having. And then I can track it back and say, well, when is the first time in your life you felt that feeling when you react poorly to your spouse or you interact in a poor way with your child? And they can go back and they'll realize, oh my goodness, the first time I felt that sensation, I was seven years old or eight years old. And it was when my dad yelled at me about A, B, or C, let's say. And I'll say, okay, that's a trigger. That's something that we need to remove. They have such a hard time accepting that because everybody thinks that trauma, right, only gets applied to veterans veterans or to first responders or people who've been through something really difficult. But what they don't realize is that our body doesn't get that information. When we have something bad to us, our body doesn't say, oh, you're not allowed to be upset about that because there's a lot of worse things out there in the world that this feeling should be reserved for. And so I have to do a lot of education with people about it doesn't matter what the event is. A trauma is something that it was so bad regardless of what everyone else thinks, that your body says never again. And because it doesn't want to ever feel that way again, it's constantly looking and scanning the environment to know, is this going to make me feel that way again? Because if so, then I have to protect myself and not go there. Let's pause for a minute because I think that's really, really powerful because I think what you're saying, Laurel, is that it's so personal, right? Like those traumas, those triggers are so personal. And we all have different thresholds and tolerance for pain, for risk. And part of it is like honoring that you do feel triggered by something. Like I, I know that there have been situations that I've been in. Maybe you can, maybe we can do this in real time, Laurel. Yes. I have noticed. Okay. So I'm going to totally call myself out here. I have noticed that in certain situations, when there is typically an alpha male present, I get super triggered mm. and they have done absolutely nothing wrong, nothing that would have triggered me. Yes. I'm just triggered by their very appearance. Mm -hmm. I'm off put and it would bother me because they're not doing anything wrong and they couldn't be kinder. Mm -hmm to me, but yet I still have these triggers. So what is going on? Oh, I love that you're doing this. This is what I do all the time. I have no idea why. Yay. I have no oh. idea where it comes from. Well, let's figure it out. So I want you to think about that for a minute. So imagine, right, that you're in the situation now, or think of the last time you were in the situation with an alpha male. Tell me where in your body do you feel a sensation? What do you feel and where do you feel it? I would say in my gut, in like, gut. It makes me sick. Okay. Now what I want you to do is think about this. People are going to shut off. <laughs> They're going to be like, this girl's crazy. I'm just being real. <laughs> Which I so appreciate. It's not with everybody. It's not with everybody. And it's not every alpha male, right. but sometimes I get really triggered. Exactly. Uh -huh. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability. It's great because it uh -huh. is 
lovely to see this in real time. So go back right now to that feeling in your stomach, right? In your gut that you feel when you're in that situation. Now ask yourself this question. When is the first time in my life I felt that feeling? Just take a moment. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about what image comes up in your mind. Who or what do you see? And what does it remind you of? Mm, I don't know if I can go back that far. So then try to think. I I do have an image. You do? I do have an image. Okay, what's your image? I do have an image. But it's more recent. Mm -hmm. How recent? And I think, I think, I mean, it is political. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's in the political realm. And I would think it is, is Brett Kavanaugh. Okay. (laughs) All right. So you have that same feeling. Okay. So what I would say is that I would ask you to go deeper. So then this is what I would do if you're in my office. Mm. I would say, I want you to follow my hand and I would move your eyes back and forth. Okay. And then I would say, focus on that sensation and now move your eyes back and forth. So do that with me on the screen. I want you to follow my hand, right? And let's, and just, and I want you to think about what image comes up. When else in your life do you feel that feeling in your stomach? Hmm. Did you get anything? I think I did. Okay. And you don't have to share it if you don't want to. But if you have something, typically that would be where this started. And that would be the image that I would process out with you. All right. So I'll say it out loud. Okay. And I don't know that I have this fully processed or understand Mm -hmm. why it came up. Mm -hmm. But I am thinking about maybe some men in my past Mm -hmm. that I would put myself out there Mm -hmm. in a sexual way Mm -hmm. looking for their validation of me. There you go. There you go. When I was younger. Awesome. So see, that's it. So now that is, right? Isn't that cool? So that's the representation. It makes me feel sad because I feel like there were so many instances mm-hmm. yes. where I would be looking for approval and it didn't have to be like physical, mm-hmm. but I was looking for approval that I was pretty enough, that I was skinny yes. enough, that I was worthy enough to be in this person's realm. Okay. Yes. So what's so amazing about that is that is that feeling now that gets re-triggered by that alpha male. It brings you mm. right back to that moment. And that is your brain saying, I don't like this feeling. I don't like how this feels. Mm -mm. So what people don't realize is that if we don't process out that initial, or it doesn't even have to be the first, but one of the ones that you tie back to, you're going to keep having that trigger moment with that alpha male because there's work that has to be done there. So what that means is that that pain and that hurt that you experienced in those relationships is hanging out in the front of your brain, Allison. And so everything in your life Mm. comes through it. That is your filter. And it's too big. Yes. So we now can take that and through the method that I use, we file it back in your brain. So it becomes like every other memory and it doesn't have the intensity. So what we do is we separate the images and the sensations from the narrative. And then you'll always hang on to, you'll always remember those men. But then once we can process that pain through, you no longer have to be triggered because your body is not anymore on the defensive saying, I don't want to ever feel that way again in my life. 
So that's Damn. So can you explain the science behind this? Yes. So I don't know that I quite understood what you just said, although it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Allison, that's how most help of my us clients understand. are. My clients come in, they're like, Laurel, I don't know what you do. I just know you helped <laughs> all of my friends and everybody that I know. So we just trust you on it, which people shouldn't just okay. trust. So I will explain. So it's based on the science of memory reconsolidation. And what that basically means- Memory reconsolidation. Yes. Memory reconsolidation. Yes. Okay. What does that mean? So what that means is that your memories are not what people once thought they were. So people think that, right, you have a memory, you put it back in your brain. Then when you recall that memory, it's exactly the same way as when you put it back in your brain. So if you tell the same story or you talk about a birthday party when you were five every time, that it's the same memory and it's going to come back the same, that it's unchanged. But what memory reconsolidation shows, the research, is that that's actually not how our brains work. And this is very pivotal in memory work. What happens is there are so many neurons and so much going on in your brain when you pull forward a memory. It actually makes it unstable. And because it makes it unstable, you can actually change the images and the sensations associated with that memory. So when you call it forward, that makes it unstable. And so with this process of therapy, it's called accelerated resolution therapy. We change the images and sensations associated with it while it's unstable. And then you can file it back into your brain. So that's what memory reconsolidation is. It says that make it unstable and then we can file it back away differently than how we called it forth the first time. So how do we take this image that I have of these men from like when I was a late teenager, early 20s, I don't know, until I got married, who knows? This, you know, it's <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> it's a big thing, right? Yes. You know, like, how do I take that and reconsolidate that memory? Yes. So that's where you would come and see me because unfortunately, it's not something you can do on your own. Or you would see another practitioner who does accelerated resolution therapy to do that. I've never heard of that. It's an outgrowth of EMDR. So EMDR follows, which a lot of people have heard of that in the trauma realm. Yeah. It's EMDR stands for eye, eye movement, movement desensitization des and reprocessing. So yes. okay. with that, you are doing the same thing, but this is a more consolidated version. It's a more succinct version and it goes quicker. So EMDR typically takes three to four months. ART is one to four sessions. So wow. it's like EMDR on steroids. That's what I tell people because everyone knows EMDR. So when they come to me, I say, well, if you're familiar with that, it's like that on steroids. The difference is it's a very specific protocol, whereas EMDR is a lot more free association involved in it. So if somebody mm. comes into you, so if you were my client, you would come in and I would say, okay, come up with that movie. Tell me the movie that plays in your head when you just saw those images of you being a teenager. I would say, let's pick mm -hmm. the three worst ones and you would make that your movie. And then we would do through eye movements, which is bilateral mm -hmm. stimulation. We would process that out and I follow an entire protocol. So by the end of the session, we've desensitized you to that memory and we've changed your association with it so that you're neutralized. So by the time you would leave the session, you'd no longer be triggered. That's wild. And I do have to say, Laurel, that even when you were moving your hand back and forth, mm -hmm. I did feel a, a sense of focus yes. that I wasn't expecting. Yes. 
I felt differently. Like I was focusing and it was accessing a different part. So yes, that's pretty amazing. I'm so glad you picked up on that because that is what makes it different, Allison. So regular talk therapy, and this is what I tell my clients all the time. If you have trauma, we can talk about it all day long. You might feel better for the moment, but it changes nothing. You're going to come back next week and you may still feel that. But the difference is when you use bilateral stimulation, it occupies the brain in a different way that then releases the emotions and images with the other part that you can then access it. And that's where the beauty happens. That's the magic of it. If I had, that's why when I said to you the first time I asked about it and you couldn't go there, that's, I said in my head, I know I'm going to have to move her eyes back and forth because I have to Hmm. occupy that part of her brain that's being very cognitive and it's trying to think of the answer. But when I keep your brain busy, do you see how it released it? It brought that right yeah, up to you. Yeah, that's wild. Isn't that I cool? want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got a whole litany of issues. Right. <laughs> for the listener, for somebody that may not have somebody who does accelerated resolution therapy, how do we start to heal ourselves or give ourselves some, ourselves some tools to help us process traumas and triggers in a different way? Great. It's a good question if you can't find somebody that does this. So one of the things would be start taking data on yourself. So in a sense, I would start noticing, like you said at the beginning, notice those moments, right, that you're feeling that way. And then if you can identify, I would tell the person to ask the questions I asked you. When else in my life have I felt this way? And if we can access that, then it's important to start having that self-talk when you go into that situation. So like in the future, if you know you're going to meet with somebody that could possibly be triggering for you to start having almost a dialogue with yourself before you go into that situation. All right, Allison, you're going to go in. This could possibly trigger you. So when you notice your heart starts racing or your breathing becomes shallow, you're going to say to yourself, I'm safe. I am not 15 years old anymore. There is nothing threatening about the situation right now, and it's okay. And then if that doesn't work, we go to the next level. Let's do some deep breathing while you're in that moment. You know, the four, seven, eight method. Breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight. You can do that when a lot of people don't notice. But it's really what you want to identify is your nervous system is basically hijacking you in that moment. So in that Mm -hmm. moment, you're not going to therapize yourself for it, but you're going to say, I'm safe. I know this is a present reaction to a past situation. So I need to calm my nervous system and tell it that it's safe and it's okay. Hey, it's Allison. Thanks for listening. Did you know that the idea shared on this show is something I can help you implement in your own life? Imagine having someone in your corner helping you prioritize your presence your passion, and your purpose again. If this feels like I'm talking right to you, I invite you to schedule a free breakthrough call with me. You can book this session at allisonhair.com forward slash schedule. And I would love for you to take this time to answer that knock that's been banging on your door. You'll be so glad you did. Is there any risk? So I'm thinking about there are times when I do get nervous before an event. And when I focus on my breathing, it makes me more anxious. And I don't know if that is specific to me, 
But I think because I'm so focused on like, I need to get calm, it actually stimulates me even more. Is that a normal thing? And how do you handle that? I think for some people it is and some people it isn't. And really what a lot of that comes down to is practice. So that reminds me of the parallel conversation of mindfulness. So mindfulness and deep breathing. So I will tell my clients, for example, okay, if something happens, you get triggered. I want you to do your breathing exercises. And they might say what you just said. But then I usually say this to them. How many times did you practice it before you were actually in the situation that you needed it? And they'll be like, oh, I didn't. I'm like, well, that's part of the problem. It's like a muscle. We have to train our body to react to it. We cannot be in fight or flight and be like, oh, now I'm going to breathe. No, your body's like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm way too scared. We are at a 10. We are beyond that. We're not breathing right now. But if you practice it in the times when you don't need it, your brain and your muscle memory comes back in the moment that you do need it. So that's where I work with a lot of my clients. I'm practicing it so it becomes a daily thing so you can access it when it's most necessary. Well, I think what I'm hearing too, and this is the challenge, right? Is like how to make this a practice, how to make mindfulness, how to build it into your days Mm -hmm. and how to rely on it to kind of calm your nervous system. What are some other ways that we can help calm our nervous system? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of it is unplugging, right? And all the things that happen when Mm -hmm. we unplug. So think when we unplug, some of us go for a walk. There's actually bilateral stimulation, which is what you notice when I put my Mm. hand back and forth Mm -hmm. in walking. It actually does something, the cadence of that, the rhythm of that, right? Being outside, being in nature, being away from the blue screen, all the things that make us feel tense and anxious. Those are good things to do. And then even using some of the incredible apps out there like Headspace, for mindfulness exercises. I will tell a lot of my clients to do that just to become aware of your thinking so that when you get in a situation that you know you're not being present, you can tie into that and you can notice it quickly and then you can bring your attention back to where you're at. So I think it's Mm. a bunch of, for some people it's breathing, right? For some people it's going to be mindfulness. For some people it's going to be just taking those breaks throughout the day to be away from all the things that are activating their nervous system. And Mm. really, again, it's like that muscle, remember? So if we walk for 30 minutes a day or we meditate for 30 minutes a day, we're reminding our body, oh yeah, this is what it feels like to be calm. And when you practice it, it becomes easier to go into that space. I think the word activation is really powerful here too, Mm -hmm. because I think when you feel activated is kind of the trigger, right? Right. Yes. Once you start to feel you can't breathe, the heart's starting to race. Yeah. That's the moment that the ship's kind of going where it's going. So when somebody has had traumas where they can't quite access where it came from, Mm -hmm. how do you help with that? Are there truly blocks that people have? There are times that people can't go back to where it was. So there's a couple of things I do when that happens. So sometimes you can just take a most recent episode where they had that reaction mm-hmm. and I can process that. Sometimes mm. in that process, in the session when we're doing that, it's so amazing, Allison, what the brain does. In that process, it will then release what they couldn't access before. So as we'll be watching that bad episode that happened at a work meeting, let's say a week ago when they wanted to freak out on someone and they had to leave, I'll have them start watching it while I'm moving their eyes back and forth. And we'll do some of the exercises I do. But then all of a sudden, they'll be like, oh my goodness, I just saw something I haven't seen in a while. And their brain will go back to it. It releases it. 
So that's one way I can work with it. I can just start going with present and it will key back to the past. Sometimes if that doesn't happen, it's okay. Just processing what happened in that moment and getting their body through it and then being able to visualize after we've processed that negative event, what it would look like next time. Sometimes that's all the brain needs is to see that mismatch of, oh, I don't have to be scared. I don't feel that when I think about that situation anymore. Oh, I can be calm. It looks at that mismatch sometimes, and that's just enough to get them through it. But then other times, Hmm. it's just a matter of their brain is not ready to release it. So I have had people who have repressed memory. We know things have happened because either their parents have told them or there was a legal case that we know something happened to them when they were younger, but they can't remember it. And then in Hmm. that case, I'm not going to push them. We're just not going to go there. If I don't have something, some type of an image to work with or a sensation in the body, I can't do it. I'm still trying a little bit fuzzy on how do you, so once you call in this feeling, this image, and you bring it forward, how do you start to process the disconnection so that it no longer is activating you? So it's really a process of basically becoming desensitized to it. So in this Uh part, I have to be careful because of NDA and intellectual property. I'm not allowed to say exactly what we do in a session, but basically in to outline it, you're desensitizing the brain to what happened. And so through a series of calming your body down, once it's activated, seeing something, you do that one time. And then you look at that same episode again, and your body reacts completely different to it the second time, because we're starting to process out those locked in emotions with it. And then in my protocol with accelerated resolution therapy, there's specific steps that we follow through the whole thing um, with scientific research that we will then have the outcome of where it's supposed to be. But it's a process of desensitization. That's probably a good overall way to describe what happens through the session. It's visualization and desensitizing to that trauma event and then creating a better outcome. So there's imagery work and metaphorical work as well that you then say, okay, now that we don't react to that bad episode, if in your perfect world, how do you wish it had gone? And you can use the bilateral stimulation. And then when you imagine how you wish it had gone, it changes the whole way that your body reacts going forward. Because now we've processed out, we've calmed down the nervous system. It no longer needs to react to the old. It reminds me differently, but a little bit of gestalt therapy, Mm -hmm. which is more experiential therapy, Mm -hmm. where it more is like acting out, where you're physically Mm -hmm. acting out, maybe things that have triggered, where this seems like it seems different. Yes. But similar results, maybe. Yes. So it's using the imaginative process, right? Rather than Mm -hmm. doing it live, you're doing it in your mind. And you're right. Gestalt Mm -hmm. is one of the feeder roots, you could say, of this therapy. It's neuro-linguistic programming is part of it, narrative therapy, gestalt. We have a lot of that that plays into it as well. I'm wondering about some of the experiences that you've been able to help people unlock for them as well. Can you share some of the, what you, you have been able to do with somebody else? Absolutely. I could sit here for weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the groups I love to work with is actually first responders. So I have a really good relationship with a lot of the first responders in my community, because what tends to happen is after years of them seeing a lot of really horrific events, they I don't know how they do it. They have amazing resilience and grit first responders, but they can go along and see these things and keep doing their job every day. 
But every once in a while, what tends to happen the longer they're on the field from my experience in my office is they'll get that one call that doesn't end. So for a lot of them, it's children and accidents that they've come upon with mm. children. And then they can no longer do their job, right? They start going to the next calls and they're being triggered, right? They see a purse that was the same color as the purse that this little girl had per se, right? And then their nervous system starts going or they just know that they have to go to a call with a child and they know that they're not in their right headspace anymore. Mm. So what will happen is they'll come into my office and we'll process that scene. That was the scene that started making them be less than their best version of themselves. And it's so amazing because sometimes people will come in and they'll say they have like three calls that they just keep seeing when they don't want to. It's the ones that wake them up in the middle of the night. And so our first session will be, let's take that first call. So let's take the one where you found the little girl and we'll process that out. And then they'll Oh, it's hard to revisit. The first three minutes of the treatment are really hard because they are seeing it as if they are there still. But that's the good thing because if you think about it, Allison, that's what's stored up in their body. That is what their body is saying. Please help me process this. I need to get rid of this. This is too big for me. So it, it is. There's tears. There's everything. There's shaking. All the same sensations come up. But then by the second time we watch it again, it has completely changed. It's still bad, but the body's not reacting to it anymore. Mm. And then we can recreate the situation in a way that feels good to them. And then by the time they leave, I can say to them, tell me about that call. And they can tell it to me without shedding a tear because the facts are there, but the pain is gone. And that is mm. the beauty of it because it resets them. I always tell people when you use this therapy, it resets you to who you were before that negative event in your life happened. But then let's say they come back for the second session to do the second call. Sometimes we'll have to process that out. But sometimes what's really interesting that happens is just by processing the trauma of that one bad call, the other two fall with it. It's almost like their wow. body has stored up that same intensity for all three of them. And then if I say to them, okay, I want you to think about that second scene. They're like, I can see it, but I feel nothing. So it's, so everyone's different, but first responders, I love to work with them. And another reason I like to work with them is that a lot of men will not take to traditional therapy because they don't want to talk about their feelings. And the great thing about this therapy is that they don't have to even tell me what happened because a lot of them struggle with, well, I'm weak then if I'm being affected mm -hmm. by this call or I, you know, somehow I shouldn't be upset by this. So when I say to them, you don't even have to tell me the details. All you have to do is watch that scene while I move my hand back and forth, there's such relief for them that they don't have to talk about it. So that's mm -hmm. a really huge part of it. So I have extreme cases like that, Allison, right? Where it's the really heavy, hard stuff. And then I have things even like, this was one recently, a woman who had a really tough time with her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law was just super nasty to her. And every time she would run the block, she would get all upset because she had to run by her sister-in-law's house. And she hated that anytime they went to a holiday, she just had all these negative emotions and sensations. Mm. So she came in and I would say, okay, same thing. Talk to you about what you feel when you run by her house. All right. Now tell me when is the first time you felt that? And then she was like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this in years, but gave me the event. And then we can process it and we go through it. And it was, it was an event that was, she just didn't act in a kind way, but for whatever reason that stuck with her. And now she was reacting to that. Every single time she saw her or ran by the house. 
And then after we did the session, I always check in. I'm like, okay, now go and test it. I will tell people I have no fear in that because I know you're going to be okay. So she was like, all right, I'm going to go for my run and text you and tell you what happened. She did it. And she was like, fine, nothing. I can't believe it. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. And then a third one that is always so lovely is I had a woman who she was actually mauled by a dog and it was in her kitchen. So can you imagine what it was like for her to walk in her kitchen every day? Right. Mm. Everything that you see in that kitchen and the door and the screen and all of that is super triggering. So she came in and we did the session with her and processed that scene. And she texted me when she got home that day and she said, she said, I'm in tears, crying, but happy tears in my kitchen because I'm standing here and I feel nothing. Absolutely nothing. Thank you for giving me my life back. Wow. It seems like, honestly, I've got like a list of 55 different (laughs) things I would love to release. And I imagine a lot of people are thinking like, wow, wouldn't it be nice to like go to Thanksgiving dinner and and, and not be triggered at work when their boss makes a a stupid comment and all of those things. So why doesn't everybody know about this? People ask that a lot. I think it's because it's a newer therapy, truly. I mean, Gestalt and all those are so much older. This is 15 years old. So Mm -hmm. an EMDR is 25 years old, right? So Mm -hmm. think how, if you think back, even 10 years ago, people didn't even know about EMDR so much 10, 15 years ago, right? I think it's even now, even now it's just kind of hitting more of a mainstream thing where most people I don't know that would know it. So exactly. I get it. Yeah. So I think that's really all it is. It's just that we're younger than some of the other therapies out there. So there's just not as much exposure. I go nationally and train other therapists to use this modality. So when I first became a therapist um, in the, in this modality eight years ago, I think there were less than a thousand of us worldwide. That's not many. So how can you get the message out when there's only a thousand of you? There's a lot more now, eight years later, but I think it's like anything. It takes time to gain traction. Also money for research. We do have research, but not near as much as EMDR. So all those things, I feel like in 10 years, people will know a little bit more about it. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. How did you find it? So it's an interesting story. I actually had injured my back and I was laid up in bed. And I'm so cool that I was watching public television while I was laid up in my bed. And I saw a support group on TV of these veterans. And I was intrigued because they started talking about how they were healing from their trauma. And I was like, what are they doing? Because right, I'd been a therapist for a long time at that point and still didn't know what worked. And I listened and they kept mentioning this therapy, you know, accelerated resolution therapy. They kept saying it. And I was like, I got to figure this out. I got to find out what this is. And within three weeks, I was signed up and I actually was trained by the developer of the therapy. And it was nerve wracking to go back to my office and try it. Cause I, same thing as you listening today, probably it seemed too good to be true. And that's actually the name of the developer's book. Her name is Lainey Rosenzweig. And she wrote a book called too good to be true. And so that's how it felt. Even as a therapist, even though I had gone through the training, I had had it done on me and I had done it on people through my practicum weekend of training. But then I brought it back to my office and I told my clients, all right, we're going to try this. We're going to see how it goes. And it was, life-changing, just life-changing. So 
And I still, eight years later, Allison, I still, you probably can't tell, get very excited about it. <laughs> oh, I can definitely tell. So I, I wonder how can people find more about it? Do you need to be in person? Can you do it virtually? So some people, some therapists do it virtually and people do it in person, obviously. My preferred method is to do it in person. So I have people, they'll fly here from other states so that I can do an intensive with them. You can go on acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com and it lists all the therapists around the country that do it. So people can look for somebody in their area if they want to do it. And again, some practitioners will offer online and some people just do it in person. So it's really individual variability in that way. Mm. I prefer in person because a couple things someone gets really upset and they're on a computer screen. I don't know how comfortable I always feel about that. Like we can be watching some really hard stuff. I want to be there with you so I can ground you if I need to, if you get really upset. So I personally prefer that part. And there's just something very magical. I think when you can be right next to a person going through this process, but it works just Mm. as well online too. This is so exciting and so fascinating. I love that we get to bring it to you on Late Learner and get to introduce another viable option to help you. So how can people get in touch with you, Laurel? So there's a couple ways. Uh, One thing, if people want to even text the word reset to 33777, they will automatically get a checklist that they can download to see if they are being impacted by triggers. And at the bottom of that checklist, they have my LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great to get in touch with me. You can connect with me and then I'm happy to have a conversation. You can also go to laurelweirs.com and find my information there as well. So those are a couple ways that people can reach out to me and I'm more than happy to chat with them. One last question. This podcast is called Late Learner. What have you recently learned that you were wrong about? That anybody gets any place worth being overnight to not despise small beginnings and that you eat an elephant one bite at a time and that anything big Mm. and worth having is not usually going to come really quick. That's something that definitely has been resonating in my life lately. Hmm, powerful stuff. Well, Laurel, thank you so very much for sharing your wisdom and your experience and ideas with us. Well, thank you for having me, Allison. Today's chat with Laurel Weirs gave me so much hope, and I hope you felt the same way. I'm sure that you're like, you've probably already Googled it at this point. I've connected Laurel's links and resources in the show notes, and I would run Do Not Walk to find out more about this. And as for you, what are you going to do with the information and insight that you learned today? Will you bring it up during coffee with your friend? That's one of my favorite things about this podcast is they're great conversation starters. So you never have to worry about boring small talk. You can always find something interesting from the show to bring it there. Are you thinking about how to apply some of these fresher approaches long term? So you've got someone in your corner helping you every step of the way. If you'd like to go deeper, let's have a free breakthrough consultation. Go to allisonhair.com forward slash schedule. And if you like what you heard today, please take 30 seconds to leave a review on your favorite podcast player. As always, thanks for listening. And before my next episode of Gold Drops, I'll see you on the socials.